Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Now, from BetQL, it's time for the Daily Tip with Michael Jenkins. Dang it, he's talented, and let's be honest, I go for ambition, not luck. And Chelsea Messenger. Don't kill the messenger, or the messenger will kill you. Hey, Dad, don't forget about me, the dunkster. Presented by BetMGM. And we are off on a Friday, the Daily Tip for BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Great to have you along with us. I'm Michael Jenkins, live in D.C. We are efforting Chelsea Messenger, who is live in Nashville, Tennessee. Great to have you with us on a Friday. Coming up in the next three hours, we get you ready for the weekend on this football Friday, starting with last night's bar fest between the Panthers and the Bears in Chicago at 620. We will drop down a level and make our picks for week 11 in college football. Then at 640, back to the NFL. We take a peek at futures odds to see which teams could be in line to make the playoffs if we can find any value. During the 7 o'clock hour, we finally reveal which teams on the pro football slate are getting our money this weekend. At 740, we have not forgotten about the NBA Cup games that nobody cares about, but we have found a few that stand out to us. We will talk about those at 820. Zach Seiko from the Lock on Nittany Lions podcast. We'll talk about the huge matchup in Happy Valley between Michigan and Penn State. And the moment has finally arrived. The people have spoken. We've received your letters, your calls, and your emails. The Donkster will make his triumphant return at 8.45. Well, well, well. What did we see last night in Thursday Night Football? Exactly as bad as we thought it was going to be. We will get to that in mere moments and still working on getting Chelsea coming through. We're back in studio. If you're following us on Twitch, streaming us at twitch.tv slash bedql. We're back in studio, so we're still working out the, the audio issues and trying to hear Chelsea's voice. Nobody wants to hear me for a full three hours. I don't want to hear me for a full <laughs> three hours. So we will try to work on that. Until then, let's talk about our best bets from last night. And Chelsea, once again, getting her done, had Panthers, Bears, under 38 and a hook. That was a victory by the Bears, 16-13, so that hits. She also had Cole Komet over 35 and a half receiving yards. He went for 45. Cole Komet continuing to get a lot of targets and a lot of catches for those Bears, even though they're not a very good football team. So a Chelsea 2-0 night here on the show. As for me, are you kidding me? I had stars on the money line. This is probably not the smartest play I've ever made. I had stars on the money line, but that was really expensive. So I thought I'll just pair this with Louisville minus nine and a half and kind of go off the grid because Louisville had, and I say had one 
10 straight games by double digits at home. What happens? Virginia gives them a dogfight. They won that game late, 31-24. So had that all together, bunched as a two-team parlay. That's a loss for me. As for the Donkster, you will hear from him later on in the show. Canadians, Red Wings under six and a hook. The Canadians win 3-2. And then JMU at Kent State under 149 and a half. JMU wins it 113-108 in overtime. 221 points scored in that one. That was a loss so for the week. Oh, here she comes, the Chelsea train, baby. Get on it because it's been rolling over the past month and a half. Chelsea 5-3 and three for the week. I'm still 5-4 and four hanging on. And the Donkster 5-2. and two. Everyone with a winning week thus far. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. I'm Michael Jenkins. Chelsea Messenger will hopefully be along shortly. And let's get into what we saw last night. NFL Week 10. Thursday night football. Bears beating the Panthers 16-13. The Panthers coming through by the hook. Kind of went back and forth all day long. Open the day Panthers plus three and a half. Went down to Panthers plus three for a hot second. Then back up to three and a half. Bears minus 175 on the money line. Total set at 38 and a half. The under hits. Once again, we've seen this time and time and time and time again with primetime unders, which hit about 60% of the time. At least they have in the past, what, five or six years. So that's always a pretty good sample size there. And I think there's a couple reasons for that. Number one is we've seen scoring tick down in the NFL recently, particularly this year. And then also, who are we kidding? It's the Bears and the Panthers. So Deontay Foreman, 21 carries for 80 yards, including this touchdown in the third quarter. Give it to Foreman. And he's in. Deontay Foreman takes it into the touchdown. Well, they were set up nicely after the punt. They go 38 yards. It's a four-yard touchdown. Nine plays, and Chicago takes the lead. lead. Al Michaels with the call on Amazon Prime. That gave Chicago a 16-10 advantage. Panthers did have a chance to tie the game with under two minutes to play, but Carolina's Eddie Panera misses a 59-yard field goal that was not even close. So the Bears improved to 2-2. With Tyson Bajan as their quarterback, moving to 3-7 and seven overall. Panthers dropped to 1-8, and eight, tied with the Cardinals for the worst record in football. All right, let's try to bring Chelsea in now. Chelsea, can you hear me? Yes, I've always been able to hear you. Oh. The question is, can you hear me? Yes, I can. There you are. Thank God. I thought I was going to have to talk to myself Yay. for three Happy hours. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. How are Woo. you? Let's take a quick break from this garbage game last night. What's going on this morning? Yeah, it almost feels like a a mirror image of the game that we saw last night where mm-hmm. nothing was working for either offense. Listen, in this household, we were actually excited for this game because yeah. my husband is a Panthers fan. Oh, that's and right. And he never gets to watch the Panthers because we live in Nashville. And God forbid nobody's showing the Panthers games unless you are actually in their viewing area. So we actually got to watch a little bit of the Panthers offense, and it was as bad is advertised i felt kind of bad for him because it was really horrific to watch and they kept going back to the screen and showing all of the things that the panthers gave up to get bryce young oh my god and it's this laundry list of picks and dj moore and next year's first round draft pick and i just felt bad for him i was like sweetie do you really want to watch this we can watch something else 
And he that did was the night uh, in our household. You I know, know we watched it. We I watched have the whole thing. I have two or three friends of mine that are actually Panthers fans. I don't know a ton of Panthers fans, but my God, this has to be a tough time. What is Jake's take? Because we need to talk about this anyway. Because when you talk about the Panthers, of course, you're talking about all that they give up or gave up, I should say, to get Bryce Young, 21 of 28. 185 yards in the air, sacked three times, continues to be, by a lot of different metrics, the worst quarterback in the National Football League. Now, let's be fair, it's half a season that he's played, but then you look down in Houston and you see C.J. Stroud just lighting it up, and then you see Bryce Young. Let me just take the temperature of a random Panthers fan, Jake being one of them. How does he feel at this point about how Bryce Young has performed and what do you see? Because right now this guy's really struggling. Yeah, I'll give you one guess. It's not good. <laughs> also, the size thing still, it still gets at me because every time you see him on the field mm -hmm. around the other players, he literally looks like a high school player. Um, so it wouldn't matter if he was lighting it up and scrambling around a la Kyler Murray, how he used to do, even though Kyler Murray is a bit more bulkier mm -hmm. uh, than Bryce Young is. It's just, he's not even completing the passes either. So I think that is the troubling part. It's not necessarily just his size. That's the problem. It's that the offense just has no legs to stand on. Like they run it for a few yards. Then they try to complete a pass mm -hmm. that doesn't work. And it's just really terrible to watch because not only did they put him in a tough situation behind a bad offensive line, they also traded away some of his best targets and DJ Moore, who went to the other side. Yeah. Also, I forgot to say that this is a Deontay Foreman revenge game. Oh. A guy who also played for my Titans uh, had a pretty solid game last night. I mean, in the world of, you know, the Panthers and the Bears, I guess you call it solid because I feel very lucky that both of my plays hit because in the props world, there was nobody that was really lighting the place up because yeah. both quarterbacks were just so bad. I think the only highlights in this game was when they kept showing Tyson Bajant's dad doing the arm wrestling. That was really <laughs> cool. That guy's a badass. Yeah. Reminds me of the movie Over the Top. Do you remember that with Sylvester Stallone? Based on Sylvester Stallone just being an arm wrestler. Imagine the scriptwriters back in the day. Hey, here's an idea. Let me throw this out here. Uh, Sly, obviously, box office star, and he's an arm wrestler, and he's got a kid, and his one move is going over the top. Over the top, Dad! And then he'd move his, his hand over the top, and that's how he would beat his opponent. Yeah, I think that you're right. When that's the most interesting part of the game is your father, who is a champion arm wrestler, it's, uh, it's not great. Not great at all. This was about as ugly as it gets on any night, particularly a Thursday night. But also what was fascinating about this is the Bears, and we've implied this or intimated that they have Carolina's number one pick in the upcoming draft. So not only did they win this game, they boosted their chances for getting that number one overall pick because the worse Carolina does, the better chances the Bears have of getting that top pick over the Cardinals. And I wonder, Chelsea, do you think, let's say you're the Bears, you end up with a number one pick. Do you go after a quarterback and you say, all right, it's been a nice run, Justin Fields. We've seen enough. We need a new franchise quarterback. Or do you say, no, we're going to stick with Justin Fields because once again, they're going to have this decision to make. 
I don't think so. Yeah. I think I'm still on board with Justin Fields, but this is a difficult decision and one that I am not um, qualified to probably make. I don't know. When it comes to quarterbacks, mm. it is wild to me how far you can sink your franchise based on a swing and a miss on a franchise quarterback. Look at the Carolina Panthers. This is going to set them back years oh, yeah. when it comes to their draft capital capital, and what their capabilities are going to be moving forward. So I do not envy the Bears front office right now. Uh, a lot of it also depends on which quarterback is available mm -hmm. because Caleb Williams has not looked like the stellar prospect that he did at the start of the year. So, like, I don't know. It really depends on the quarterback and what they're willing uh, to risk here because when you swing and miss uh, on a first or a second or a third overall mm -hmm. pick, sometimes it can set you underwater for a long time. Well, now when you look at Caleb Williams, how much of his draft stock do you think has been hurt by his sideline shenanigans? Maybe shenanigans isn't the right word. Maybe his sideline emotion. He's been in his feelings quite a bit. There's no question he has talent. But it's interesting, when you're talking about being a leader and someone who is automatically pegged a leader, if you're a quarterback in the NFL, you're going to get the C. You're going to be one of the captains. It's the most important position on the field. Does emotion like that translate to the NFL? Or if you're an NFL guy, do you look and you say, that guy's soft, I don't want him on my team? I personally think it's kind of a problem. Yeah. Like if he is already struggling emotionally, on a team that's a winning team. Mm -hmm. And I know USC is not winning at the rate that we thought they were going to win at, but think about the opportunities and the pedestal that he's on at USC. It's not the same thing in the NFL. Like you're on a lower status because right. you're a rookie quarterback and you're probably going to a team that's not very good. But here's the thing. There is only one person's opinion that matters here. And that is the team that's drafting the quarterback because we can go back and forth all day on who we think is the best quarterback prospect out of this year's NFL draft. And it does not matter. All that matters is the owner and the franchise mm -hmm. and whoever's in the front office of that said team, because look at last year, like were there a lot of us who thought Bryce young probably wasn't the best quarterback available? Sure. We were very divided. Mm -hmm. A lot of us thought it was CJ Stroud. Uh, even people saying Will Levis should have been, you know, the top quarterback drafted. Oh, yeah. And now both of those guys look much better than Bryce Young. So it's literally just one person's opinion. And so that's why we can, you know, give our opinions all day long. Yeah. And it just doesn't really matter. Yeah, I think it's fascinating, Williams just in particular, because he has the tool set. No question about that. He can throw the football. He's madly talented and a much bigger guy than someone like Bryce Young. So when you're talking about maybe smaller quarterbacks aren't built for the NFL. And you know what? We may see sort of the end of that. If you talk about Kyler Murray and you talk about Bryce Young, I'm not saying a shorter quarterback can't make it in the NFL, but at least a recent sample size has shown us that you've got to have some sort of physical build to be able to take it to the next level. And Kyler Murray's had a little bit of success, hasn't played this season after signing that massive contract, but it's not like he's been unbelievable. He's been a very good quarterback at times in the NFL. Bryce Young is struggling. I know those are just two guys, but I think moving forward, teams will think twice before drafting someone who doesn't have a certain size and the physical capability to play quarterback. 
for sure. But I think people need reminding that Kyler Murray did play like an MVP for at least half a season. So there is a good quarterback in there. He just kind of needs DeAndre yeah. Hopkins down there somewhere to throw it to. I don't think it's size as much of uh, the situation that they're being drafted into. Mm-hmm. If you have a good offensive line, which most of these bad teams do not, or if you are running a system in which that quarterback can scramble around. Like, remember when they got Kyler Murray? Uh, it also was the offense that he was used to in college. Mm-hmm. That's why they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. So it's always situationally based, but most times I don't think smaller quarterbacks can cut it. I think Caleb Williams just needs to lean into his emotions. Instead of having like F Utes on his fingernails, he can just put tough times. One on one hand, one on the other. Tough times. It's going to be okay, Caleb. Coming up next year on the show, sure, Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies will probably win this weekend, but a big number is on the board for their matchup against Mississippi State. We're playing pick six in college football. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the Daily Tip, presented by Bet MGM, with Michael Jenkins and Chelsea Messenger on the BetQL Network. Welcome back on a Friday. Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by Bet MGM. Great to have you with us. She's Chelsea Messenger. I'm Michael Jenkins. Coming up in two minutes, our favorite picks for Week 11 in college football. Chelsea, look at this. Look at my hands moving freely. Oh, I'm in studio here. If you're watching us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash MadQL. And the Donkster is here. The Donkster has been in the dark for, I would say, a good two months. So this is a guy who's ready to talk. He's ready to make his picks. He has a lot to say. He's sitting next to me, bright-eyed, belly full, fed in the first time in a long time. How much have you missed the Donkster? I haven't missed him at all. Yeah, I'm going to say on a scale of 1 to 10, probably a 1. Just because mm, we high. haven't been able to make fun too of him. There is a positive there. Every show needs a punching bag. That's that's how you create a successful radio show, successful TV show. It could be a series. It could be a com. Every show needs a punching bag. The Donkster is the punching bag. And I'll tell you something. Maybe he should stay off the show because thus far he's five and two this week. He's having a better week than anybody. Yeah, maybe he's doing better when he has nobody to talk to. But we'll see. We got to bring him back because you are in the studio. So mm-hmm. that means we will have the Donkster back with us giving his picks live on air. So we'll see how it affects his ego. When you were a kid, did you have a stuffed animal you kept with you until a certain age? Like, I don't know, some teddy bear, some ratty flamingo that grandpa gave you when you were a little girl. And then when you were 14, you finally had to give it up. No, I wasn't a big stuffed animal or like dolls person. I really liked animals. And I've told you this before. I had a horse growing up. So when you have like the real thing, real horse. Yeah, so when you have the real thing, it kind of pales in comparison when you have, like, a stuffed horse. So I had the real thing, but I also had to learn the hard way that animals are a lot of work. Because every Mm. morning before school, I would have to go down and feed and water my horse, clean out the stall. Uh, So it does teach hard work, but also it was cool having a horse growing up. 
Yeah, that is cool. All right, let's saddle up and pick some college football winners. Pick six. Pick six. Pick six. All right, Chelsea, I'm going to get things started. We're talking about horses. When you talk about horses, what do you think of? You think of a cowboy in the Wild West, and I'm talking about Wyoming. The Pokes going to UNLV tonight. I don't know what it is about Wyoming. I've always loved Wyoming. I don't know what it is, but I don't love them tonight. I am taking UNLV minus three and a half. Yeah, I'm playing the number down a little bit. Laying a buck 40. Don't care. Is anyone paying attention to what UNLV is doing? Because right now they are eight and one against the spread this season. That leads college football. And Wyoming is a total Jekyll and Hyde team. Here's the thing at home, great. Wyoming hasn't won a single game on the road this season. So if you're playing them in the cold and the snow and the outdoors of Laramie, they're great. When they leave that environment and now they're going to Sin City, they are in trouble. And this is a UNLV team that has a very high-powered offense. They average like 435 yards per game. They're playing for the Mountain West title, so they need to keep winning. They will be motivated, obviously, on their home turf. Money coming in on UNLV. That is the play, baby. Let's go UNLV minus three and a half tonight at home. I have noticed UNLV because I yeah. think you can see the sphere, you know, the Las Vegas sphere that's oh, brand yeah, new yeah. and really creepy. You can see it from their practice field. So like you see their practice field or oh. maybe it's their regular field. So you see pictures from their field and it's like these huge eyes and the sphere in the background. So <laughs> I have noticed UNLV, but only for that reason. Uh, if you do want to watch that one, it's 1045 Eastern kickoff tonight in Sin City between the Cowboys and the Rebels. Big six. Big six. All right, Jenks, let's go to the SEC and root okay. for some points. I'm going to take the over 58 between Ole Miss and Georgia. If you look at both of these teams, they rank in the top 15 nationally in scoring offense, both averaging over 38 points per game. Both also rank in the top 50 when it comes to tempo. They can really get the pace going when it comes to both of their offenses. And both these teams should be fired up for this one. For Georgia, it is senior night, a night game in Athens, and this is a Bulldogs team that probably wants to shut up Lane Kiffin because that's all Lane Kiffin does is run his mouth. But the quotes this week from Lane Kiffin have been all about trying to play with nothing on the line. He said, we have nothing to lose here. In previous matchups where we have had these big ranked games, I feel like we have had some sort of tension this week, it's not going to be the case. We're playing with nothing to lose. We're going to be loose, easy, and it makes me feel like they're not going to have a conservative game plan. I feel like Lane Kiffin is going to throw the kitchen sink at Georgia, offensively speaking. So I'll take the over between uh, UGA and Ole Miss. Plus, UGA has not been far as dominant as they have been defensively. They got about 14 points to Vanderbilt. Also, a team that's been really hot to the over this season. So let's hit the over 58 between UGA and Ole Miss. I love how Lane Kiffin manipulates the message based on who he's playing. Like when Ole Miss was playing Texas A&M, it was super cocky, taking these underhanded shots at Jimbo Fisher. And now that he's taken on Georgia, it's, 
Hey, we're just little old Ole Miss. We have nothing to lose. We're taking on the number one team in the country. Nobody expects anything from us. And I do the same thing. The last thing you want to do is troll Georgia. But I like your pick quite a bit. It's an SEC battle that gets underway. It's 7 Eastern tomorrow night under the lights at Sanford Stadium. Pick six. Pick six. Well, I was just talking about Texas A&M. And you know I can't stand those Aggies. They're hosting Mississippi State. Mississippi State is getting 19 and a half points. I will take it. Here's the thing. Texas A&M, as much as Ole Miss or UNLV will be motivated, Texas A&M has nothing to play for. Like what, bowl eligibility? This has been a huge letdown for them. My bias aside, this was a top 25 team. They've lost four games already this season. And Jimbo Fisher, they are stuck with Jimbo Fisher. When I hear these prognostications, oh, the Aggies might get rid of Jimbo Fisher, I would be stunned. He is due, if they let him go right now, he is due more than $76 million in guaranteed money. It doesn't matter if they win or lose, he's not going anywhere. But more than that, this is about quarterback Max Johnson. Now, we all know that Connor Wigman is out for the season, had a horrible injury, but Max Johnson has a rib injury. He doesn't look right. He looks like a guy who could keel over at any time. I don't know if he finishes this game. And if he doesn't finish, that means a former backup at Fresno State will take over this Aggies team. Regardless, I'll gladly take 19 and a half of Mississippi State. Way too many points here. I'm on the Bulldogs in College Station. Yeah, I'm going to spin off what you've been saying about Max Johnson and how this Texas mm -hmm. A&M offense may be off a tick this week. I'm going to hit the under mm -hmm. 43 and a half between Mississippi State and Texas A&M because the one thing that Texas A&M still has going for them is their defense. They are second in the nation when it comes to sacks. And I don't know if you've been paying attention to some of these Mississippi State scorers, uh, 17 points or fewer in three of their last four for the Bulldogs. Also, they played in a game this year that ended 7-3, to three, a win over Arkansas. That's like an Iowa score. So I'm banking on a no, huh. another low-scoring affair here, especially when you get 43.5 points to play with. I'll hit the under between Mississippi State and a very pedestrian Texas A&M offense with a hobbled quarterback. So let's hit the under there. If you want to watch that one, I'm hoping it's not going to be a great game, not hoping for points, but it's a Saturday night game, 7.30 Eastern at Texas A&M. Big six. Big six. Well, 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 what do we have here? My Longhorns in Fort Worth. Let me tell you guys something. I got this at Texas minus nine and a half. And you know why I got it at nine and a half? Because... Everyone thought that Quinn Ewers wasn't going to play. It was going to be Malik Murphy. And if Malik Murphy had played, guess what? Texas would be on upset watch. He is not ready for prime time. God bless you, kid. You're not there just yet. Quinn is going to play. And what happens when Sark makes that announcement yesterday? This line jumps three points. Do I think Quinn Ewers is worth three points? Yes, I do. This is a dead number. It's 12 and a half. But look at both of these teams. TCU, for as good as it was last year, lost so much talent. They have they have a backup quarterback. Josh Hoover is starting for TCU. This is his fourth career start. TCU is just outclassed 
on the line of scrimmage, on the defensive line, on the offensive line, and you can run on TCU. They just can't stop the run. This is just a very different team than the one that was so very good last year. The Longhorns need to keep winning. They have to stay motivated. If they went out, they will play for the Big 12 championship. I think Texas out physicals TCU late. They cover this number by a couple touchdowns. Let's go Longhorns minus 12 and a half in Fort Worth against the Horny Toads. Ooh, I saw that headline and I immediately thought of you. I said, Jenks has to be running excited. through a wall right now. Uh, if you so want to watch excited. that game, we know Jenks is going to be. That's a 7.30 Eastern kickoff in Fort Worth. Big six. Big six. All right, so this one makes me a little nervous, but we had to have three picks each, so somebody had to fit the bill. I'll take Duke plus 14 and a half at UNC. Number one, it's a rivalry game. Usually rivalry games play a little closer to the vest. Also, Duke coming off extra rest, and they may be a better team than their record indicates. You've got to look at the gauntlet of the schedule that Duke has had to play this year. This will be their fifth ranked opponent this season two of their last three games were against top 11 opponents losses to louisville and a florida state before beating wake forest last thursday so you're getting 14 and a half because duke is down to their third string quarterback grayson loft is here i don't have a ton of faith in him but what i do have faith in is this duke defense the number one scoring defense in the entire acc if they can limit all of those ranked opponents to under 23 points like they have there's been one team that scored more than 23 points against this Duke defense, and that was Florida State. They have a Heisman Trophy candidate at quarterback. So I'm going to bank on that Duke defense to get the job done here and keep it within two touchdowns. So let's go Duke plus 14 and a half at UNC. Chelsea, good play. Let me ask you this as someone who went to NC State, and I think I know the answer here. Which team do you hate more? Because you're right there in the research triangle. Duke or North Carolina, or at least you were when you went to school. I know you're in Nashville now, but of those schools, since those are two rivals, which one do you despise the most? Oh, always Carolina. Like Carolina is the team that everybody hates. Duke hates them. NC State hates them. Most every state school in the state of North Carolina, number one on the hate list is always North Carolina. It's just the fact that they look down their noses at us and say, oh, Uh. You couldn't get into UNC because UNC is actually a pretty small school. Like it's not a big, massive public university and it is very tough to get into. Mm -hmm. So I think at Duke, they're like too busy with their calculators to like look down their noses at anybody. Uh, But that's kind of the consensus. And that is the vibes that I got when I talked to people who went to UNC. All right. That's fascinating. That makes sense to me. I almost went to North Carolina. Thank God I didn't, Chelsea. Then we would be arch enemies. I came this close to transferring my sophomore year because I wanted to go to Carolina so bad. But then I went to Texas, and by then, when I had an opportunity to leave for Chapel Hill, I was too much of a longhorn, and I couldn't do it. But I thought about it just for a hot second. For some reason, I don't know why, but I just grew up with this fascination with North Carolina. And also, they do have a great journalism program, so that's one of the reasons why I looked at them. Had you not gone to NC State, what school would you have gone to? Well, I went there for swimming. So it would have been like a school that I went for like a swimming scholarship. So that kind of narrows the field. It wasn't like I had every school to choose from. Uh, I went on recruiting trips to UMass, Boston College, Florida International. 
Uh, I think Brown uh, gave me an offer, but I didn't even think they were an Ivy League school. My mom was like, oh, you should go to Brown. I was like, I've never even heard of it, mom. Uh, So didn't go there. Uh, But yeah, I liked my recruiting trip at NC State. I really liked the girls on the team. And that's half the battle. If you don't like your teammates in swimming, you're going to hate your life because you spend so many hours in the pool. Swimming is a miserable sport. If you don't like your teammates, you're not going to like the sport. Yeah, when is the last time you got in the pool and just pushed yourself and did a freestyle for, I don't know, 200 meters? Well, I do that. It's just training for swimming. Even if you only do a 50-yard sprint, you're putting in like 26 hours in the pool a week. Oh, my God. That's so it's just the training that sucks. The racing's yeah. fun. Oh, yeah. Race day is great. It's all the work that goes into it. Yeah, I have heard that again and again and again. No sport punishes you like swimming if you're getting ready for a meet. Coming up next, will the Bills be punished for their slow start this season? And is now the time to throw some money down on them? NFL futures are next. It is the Daily Tip from BetQL presented by BetMGM. Hope you're having a great Friday. Chelsea and Jenks will be right back on the Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. On the BetQL Network. Let's get back to the Daily Tip with Chelsea Messenger and Michael Jenkins, presented by BetMGM on the BetQL Network. Welcome back to the show. Daily Tip from BetQL, presented by BetMGM. Great to have you along with us on a Friday. I'm Michael Jenkins, live in D.C. She's Chelsea Messenger, live in Nashville, Tennessee. Coming up in just moments, oh, we're going to talk some NFL. Can we find some value on the board when we look at NFL futures? Because, of course, they change by the week, depending upon the results. And if there's some value on a team like maybe the Buffalo Bills after their 5-4 and four start, Chelsea, I was reading the craziest story yesterday because crime in D.C. and in a lot of major metropolitan areas is up just across the board. Yesterday, yesterday, someone stole an ambulance here in D.C. There was an ambulance in southeast D.C. treating someone and someone saw, oh, there's an ambulance. I think I'll pop in the ambulance. And then the dumbest, do you think you can get away with stealing an ambulance it's not even the crime or the committing of a crime. It's the actual crime that you commit, which is if you're going to steal something, you're stealing an ambulance. You can't hide that bad boy. So I was reading the story. Guess what? They drove it around the corner, immediately got stopped and arrested. As a, You took a joyride in an ambulance and you got as far as around the block. I'm not advocating for stealing a car, but if I am going to steal a car, it's not going to be an ambulance, which you can't hide, which you can't. You're going you're gonna to be, you're an ambulance. You're like, oh, there's that ambulance right there that was stolen. They said, be on the lookout for an ambulance speeding <laughs> with a large orange stripe down the side. Oh, there it is right there. I mean, I thought that was an onion article for a second. Yeah, there are some dumb people out there. I wonder if it's more expensive to steal an ambulance and get caught or actually mm-hmm. ride in an ambulance. Because I was like, at least in like my 30s, mm-hmm. before I realized how expensive it is to get an ambulance. Have you ever realized how expensive it costs to get your own ambulance? 
it's expensive. I will tell you something. Yeah, it is expensive. And honestly, I I have not been in an well, I have been in an ambulance that was a long time ago, but just going to the emergency room just for it, whether it's an ambulance, whether it's an emergency, any sort of medical care beyond like a visit to your primary care physician is crazy expensive. And you end up getting bills for like six months. When I went to the emergency room, it was, hey, here's a monster bill. And then two weeks later, oh, remember this? Oh, remember this? Remember when we took your blood? Remember when you sat there in the emergency room for a couple hours? It was just one bill after the other. So I can't even imagine the cost that comes with an ambulance. Oh, yeah. And it's like the hospital stuff at the hospital is like airport stuff on steroids. Because, you know, at the airport, like a bottle of water costs like $8. And you're like, mm-hmm. what? At the hospital, I remember when I had Blake, they charged me $78 for a tube of diaper cream. And I said, you've oh got to be kidding me with this. $78? This is literally $12 at Walmart. The markup can't huh. be this great, but they have a monopoly on it. They're like, well, you're sitting here. What are you going to do? Go to Walmart? <laughs> you're on an IV. Uh, so that's what they do. They mark everything up. And then you don't, if you don't look at the itemized list, you don't realize mm-hmm. how much they are charging for these items. Like, what am I supposed to do? Bring all my own supplies from home? Be like, nope, brought my own Advil. No. Yeah, guys, I got Advil. I got a few Band-Aids here. Look at this, hydrogen peroxide. No, 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 don't put it on my bill. Now that I think about it, maybe that was smart to steal that ambulance. It's like, hey, I need, <laughs> I'm not Cheaper paying than, for this. Yeah, no. I'll just take the – you know what? I'll drive myself to the emergency room. I can get a straight <laughs> shot if I turn on these sirens. I can make it. All I got to do is get there. So now that I think about it, maybe it was pretty smart. I'm sorry you just got around the corner. Chelsea. Let's try to make some money here so we can pay for medical bills when we look at the NFL odds at BetMGM Futures odds to make the playoffs. And right now, the Buffalo Bills, I think, are probably the most interesting bet on the board. Here they are. They're 5-4. and four. Still in the playoff mix, minus 115 to make the playoffs. Last week, they were minus 175. You're getting, on paper at least, one of the best teams in the AFC have a difficult schedule coming up. They have some work to do. But the Bills at minus 115. I was talking to my friend Pat last night. Member of the Bills Mafia follows the team certainly more than I do. And I asked him, I go, how are you feeling? He goes, we're going to be fine. We're fine. I'm not worried about it. Defense has been banged up. We're going to get right on offense. I'm not worried about it. We're making the playoffs. I don't have that much confidence in the Bills. But at minus 115, I think it's a good time to take a shot on Buffalo. What do you think? I wouldn't talk you off of it just because doesn't it feel like the Bills are a team where even if they do have a difficult schedule, Mm -hmm. they have the talent on their team to go head to head with the best teams in the NFL. Like, I think the problem with the Bills is that we've seen them capable of losing to like bad teams in the NFL, but also they have the capability of beating some of the best teams in the NFL. So even if you look at a difficult schedule, that's where I think you get some value on the Bills is because they do have that high-end potential. Because the problem with the Bills is that they're wildly inconsistent. But think about this for a second, and I know this Mm -hmm. is not the conversation. If you meet up with the Bills in the postseason, wouldn't Mm -hmm. most teams in the AFC be pretty damn nervous just because the high-end potential that the Bills have? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That would be the the prototypical – the team that nobody wants to face in the playoffs, right? Because they have the talent to beat anyone despite their record. So if they make the postseason, 
they're not going to blow you away with their record. They'll find a way to get it. And who knows? They could go on a run. They have the talent to do it. But yeah, you're exactly right. That's the one team that you would say, oh, God, we don't want to play the Bills this early. Right. Well, I would say that about my Bengals, too. But it feels like there's a lot of teams like that in the AFC. In the NFC, yeah. not so much. Like, look at the top four teams in the NFC right now. The Eagles, the Lions, the 49ers, the Saints, the Seahawks. <laughs> right. Like, come on. So it just, there's a lot more parity in the AFC as opposed to the NFC. Like, we've talked about this, I think, before, how I think there is some value in possibly taking both the Eagles and the 49ers to win yeah. the NFC. You can take both of those because of the price they're offered at. I found a book that had both of them at uh, at least plus 200 or longer. So you could take both <laughs> of those. And if one of them wins the NFC, you are up some money because it does feel very much like a two-horse race in the NFC. Not the same deal in the AFC. And that's why I think there is some value on taking some of these AFC teams to make the postseason. All right, since we're talking about the AFC, how do you feel about the L.A. Chargers at plus 130? Do you – oh, I can see your face right now. The head is shaking. That's an immediate no. That's it's not – no is minus 162. Yes is now plus 132 at MGM. So a little bit more plus money than I mentioned. I, I can't do it. Even though the Chargers got a win against the Jets, they're back at home this weekend. I, I'm i not back in a team with Brandon Staley as head coach. End of story. Well, they also have a pretty tough stretch coming up where they're playing the Lions. They've got Green Bay that's on the road at Lambeau, which maybe that's a win for the Chargers. And then they go on the road to Baltimore. So a three-game stretch where maybe we will find some things out about the L.A. Chargers because I shake my head not because – I think it's an immediate no. It's just okay. because I have been burned so badly on my expectations for the Chargers. Like how many of us in our preseason predictions said the Chargers were going to be a postseason team? Because you look yeah. at the talent on their roster and they should be a good team. But mm -hmm. maybe, maybe we are not giving them quite enough credit. Uh, they've played in a lot of close games. Three of their losses this year have come by three points or fewer. And also, they played some decent teams. Like, they lost to Kansas City. Okay, that's the best team in the league, probably. Uh, and then they lost by three to Dallas. So maybe this is a team that's lurking kind of underneath the surface. But the problem is you have to win those close games. And normally yes. I would say, okay, the pendulum's going to swing both ways. But when Brandon Staley's your head coach, the pendulum is a little weighted towards one side because he <laughs> makes these boneheaded decisions. So usually when you see a team that's losing all these close games, immediately you say, okay, well, eventually they're going to win some of these close games. With the Chargers, not so fast, my friend. So it just feels like a stay away to me. I'm not going to bet the no, but I'm not going to be bamboozled by the yes either. This is how quickly these odds change. You talk about missing your chance on a team. Last week, your Cincinnati Bengals, as you put them, were minus 150 to make the playoffs. That's a very palatable price. Now they are minus 300. So there's no way I'm laying $3 on the Bengals. We had it doubled in a week, and now I feel like part of this is their winning streak. They've won four straight, but also it's it's 
they're, this is as, as expensive, I think, as, as maybe they get, unless they continue to win. Maybe they'll get more expensive. But we had that opportunity, that window there, and I don't see this getting any cheaper. Do you? No, I don't think so, because this is what the Bengals do every single year. They start off slow, and then they come scorching hot down the pipeline mm -hmm. going into the postseason. So the only way to get value right now in the Bengals is to look towards the postseason. Because like I said, it feels like in the AFC, there are some lower-ranked teams that feels mm -hmm. like they match up pretty well against the top-ranked teams. Like the Bengals have beaten the Chiefs before at Arrowhead Stadium. So that's probably going to be the route that they'll have to go. They'll have to be a wild-card team. But the Bengals have done this before where they have won really tough games on the road. So still some value, I think, in the Bengals to win the AFC at 6-1. to one. This number has been dropping steadily. It was 9-1, to one, I think, last week. It was plus 750 at the start of this week. And now by Friday, it is 6-1. to one. So maybe something you need to buy in now as opposed to later because it continues to go straight down. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right about that. And another thing just to sort of keep in mind is if you're looking for maybe one of those teams at a little plus money, oh, I know it sounds crazy. The Pittsburgh Steelers are plus 140. And when you talk about that trend, you talk about every year, the Steelers find a way to make the playoffs. They find a way to have a winning record. Maybe that's worth your money, but at the same time, that's a very difficult division this year. So maybe that's not as much of a popular bet as maybe it should be. Betting on the Steelers, you need a Pepto-Bismol. Like, God, their games? <laughs> no thanks. Uh, I'm on the Steelers this weekend, but I also know if they're going to cover that number, which is three, then they're going to do it in, the, like, the final two minutes of the game. It's what they do every single week. Coming up next year of the show. Oh, baby, it is week 10 in the National Football League, so we got a ton of plays for you to choose from before all of the action gets underway. Pick six NFL style next on the Daily Tip for BQL, presented by Adam GM. For more, listen to The Daily Tip presented by BetMGM. Weekday mornings from 6 to 9 Eastern on the BetQL Network, the Odyssey app, or wherever you get your podcasts.